The Manifestation of Christ Victory by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor Envision majestic ancient oaks with beautiful rock formations around their base, cradling clusters of colorful wildflowers. Or perhaps, picture a regal snow-capped mountain softly illuminated by a full moon, forming a marvelous backdrop for a quietly bubbling waterfall. Is this not a wonderfully awesome world we live in? Well, actually, no. A beautifully created planet, yes, but world, no. The Earth itself was perfectly created, as was everything on it, by an omniscient, all-wise, all-knowing God. This God is omnipresent as well, or present everywhere at one time. Perfection to the smallest detail was therefore attained at creation. Having unlimited power, omnipotent, he is the sovereign king and master over all other power and authority. He is able to do anything he wishes with no limitation or restriction from circumstances, the actions of others, or force of any kind. It is this God that created the universe. All in it coexist in total harmony and peaceful order with no imperfections, flaws, or blemishes of any kind. The sun, the moon, the stars are not only his glorious handiwork, but a portrait engraved in the heavenlies, prophesying the past, present, and future plan of God. This world, on the other hand, through the imperfection of man's inventions, has cluttered earth and loose trash into space, marring the splendor of even our galaxy. Yes, this world is something totally different from planet Earth and has become a blight to even our heavens. Its God is different as well, and unlike our Creator, Satan does not assign angels to protect creation in his world. Instead, he sends those spoken of in Ephesians 6 as constant irritants. Scripture protectively tells man to put our spiritual armor on to protect ourselves from these evil creatures. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 through 12 shows us who they are. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We can see the evil things that happen in this world do not come from God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Unfortunately, many ignore this fact, thus all the physical wars, crime, and abuse. But against principalities, these are strongholds Satan has set over cities and nations. Against powers, the forces of evil that direct and guide wickedness. Against the rulers of darkness, those that govern and direct the kingdom of darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness, the unseen enemy that harasses mankind with sickness, sorrow, pain, and death, causing them to manifest the works of the flesh against each other. In the heavenly places, the unseen army of Satan. You can see why the Lord tells us to stay separate from the world as much as possible. It is for our own health and well-being. In it, we are attacked by spirits of infirmity, anger, rage, depression, addiction. You name it daily. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God and are a part of His kingdom of light. And the whole world lies under the sway or control of the wicked one 
through the above evil entities. John chapter 16 verse 33 tells us it is the world, not God's kingdom, that causes grief. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. All problems physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and financially. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we can plainly see it is this world created by the enemy that is at odds with God and will be destroyed. Not the earth created by God, as many have been taught. Psalm chapter 104 verse 5 gives us proof the earth will not be destroyed. You, God, who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever, it is eternal. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 4 shows again the earth itself is eternal. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. John chapter 17 verse 16 informs us God's people are not a part of this world. It is the earth they inherit. They are not of the world, just as I, Jesus, am not of the world. Psalm chapter 37 verse 29 The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. These are ones that enter God's rest, lay claim to the promise of restoration, and will live as intended on the promised renewed earth. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells instead of the wickedness and enemy that dwells here now. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 Blessed are the meek, ones that humbly lay down their lives in the world to bring to fruition God's plan of restoration. For they shall inherit the earth, and the earth will be here for these words to be fulfilled. Revelation chapter 11 verse 18 reveals what will happen to those that choose to remain a part of the world even though they have heard the message to come out of it. The nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Through the world's twisted knowledge, chosen in the garden, man has not only built an inferior society at the guidance of the enemy, bringing much heartache and pain, but has successfully devastated our beautiful planet as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 19 shows us God's sentiment or opinion of the world's knowledge. For the wisdom of this world, which Eve chose for us, is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. Have you ever wondered why nothing we do is perfect or eternal? Did you realize that the knowledge, abilities, and skills the descendants of Adam have were originally taught to man by the fallen angels of Genesis chapter 6? Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 shows us who the fallen angels were and how man became entangled with them. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, angels, saw the daughters of men, 
although a different species, they were attracted to them, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, of all whom they chose. God created everything after its own kind. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, put up with their rebellion, for he is indeed flesh, all about their carnal selves. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. God lowered further their lifespan. There were giants on the earth, the children of the cross between man and angels, in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, giants, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. They were notorious for their strength and might, an altered species, just what Satan was looking for. The book of Enoch, the seventh from Adam, gives us a more detailed understanding of all this, however. Some may be wondering, should we use Enoch as a reference? Jude, the half-brother to Jesus, referred or alluded to Enoch in Jude chapter 1 verse 14. So that is good enough for me. In fact, the Apostle Paul did as well. I think we should be pretty safe studying what these men of God read and taught. Studying Enoch gives us a much clearer picture of how the world came about and why it is as it is today. The best part, it was written for this age and time, our generation, us. Enoch chapter 1 verse 1 The words the blessings of Enoch wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous, who will be living in the day of tribulation. Plagues, locusts, fires, global warming, on and on. All signs declared in Scripture as signs of the tribulation and end of this age. When all the wicked and godless are removed. Is this exciting or what? Enoch chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 shows us how Adam's descendants were taught life skills by the fallen angels and how they had a part in how the world was infrastructured and their influence on the nature of our society. And Azazel taught man to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth, prepared us for war and crime, and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments to satisfy the carnal side of man and the use of antimony, brittle, silvery, metalloid, and the beautifying of the eyelids, makeup, and all kinds of costly stones, and all coloring tinctures, dyes, and there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray. It is the same today, and became corrupt in all their ways, these things were taught to man in a way not conducive to godliness or righteous spiritual appetites. Simjaza taught enchantments and root cuttings, witchcraft. Amaras, the resolving of enchantments, Baraquijal taught astrology, Cocobel, the constellations, Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds, Arequiel, the signs of the earth, Shamsil, the signs of the sun, and Sariel, the course of the moon, all used in pagan worship. Had man not rebelled, they would have received knowledge from the mind of Christ. No telling how much different our lives would have been. 
Everything man needed to know would have been supplied by a loving creator of all things, instead of angels with evil intent causing us to fashion a world to suit their evil desires with their limited knowledge and evil minds. Enoch chapter 16 verse 3 explains, You have been in heaven, but all the mysteries had not yet been revealed to you, and you knew worthless ones. This is the wisdom man has been taught. And these in the hardness of your hearts you have made known to the women. And through these mysteries, women and men work much evil on the earth. See what has corrupted mankind? This knowledge is the foundation of all the works of the Adamic race. Enoch also gives us a better comprehension of the origin of Satan's evil forces, referred to earlier in Ephesians chapter 6, and how they affect us. Enoch chapter 15, verses 8 through 12. And now the giants who are produced, or born from the spirits and flesh, angel and man, shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. They were born here, they must remain here. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men, and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. This is where these spirits came from. They shall be evil spirits on the earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. These creatures were half man, half angel. When the flood drowned them, the man died, but their spirits lived and were confined to earth. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. Again, since they were born here, they must remain here. And the spirits that came out of the offspring of the watchers and mankind of the giants. Now here is how these evil spirits interact with man. Afflict, illnesses, oppress, depression, destroy, death, attack, murder, anger, rage, do battle, wars and work destruction on the earth, developed imperfect lifestyles that ruined the planet and caused trouble, destroy relationships, etc. They take no food. They are spirits with no bodies, but nevertheless hunger and thirst and cause offenses, spirits satisfying their hunger and desires and all areas, causing abnormal behavior, addictions of all kinds. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men. They surely have done as Enoch prophesied, and against the women, because they have proceeded from them. See why women have been treated as inferior? So why am I differentiating so strongly between the world and earth and asking our readers to look to Enoch for a better knowledge of the evil spirits and the influence the angels have had on mankind? Because we don't have to be defeated. God has a plan to restore us. I want to see as many as possible beneficiaries of God's promise. Many do not know him at all. There are others that are angry at God for things he didn't do. It has all been the dirty work of evil spirits, the unseen enemy. Some, for instance, have been convinced by them they have done things too horrendous for God to forgive them. Good people, bad devils, 
God knows the effect these spirits have had on mankind. Then there are others that actually think their illness came from God, not understanding the spirits of infirmity that plague us. You see, the devil has plans too, and it is to make man believe these things, knowing full well the spiritual law, be it as you believe. So let us try to get things straight, change what we believe. Let's start with those that do not believe in God as the creator of the universe and take a good look at the world's alternative. NASA science explains the Big Bang Theory, for instance, as the beginning of the universe and all in it with the idea that the universe started with just a single point that expanded and stretched and grew till it is as big as it is now. We have to believe in that starting point, though. So what started it? In physics, their theory universe from nothing, states the universe appeared from nowhere, from an extremely dense and hot state about 13.7 billion years ago. There was some kind of supernova combustion or explosion, and out of it came something that started life. Again, what was that starting point? There are so many different versions of even the Big Bang Theory itself, and all of them. And let's be honest, are ridiculous. When you witness birth, for instance, who can doubt there is a God? The intricate complexity of a living being just doesn't happen by chance. Deep down inside, man, we know that it takes life to produce life. We know because God put that knowing there. There is a part of His life that gives us ours. Then there is evolution where it is taught different kinds of organisms descend with modification to something else. We all supposedly came from an, an amoeba or a type of cell found in fungi, algae, and animals. But even that had to have an origin, a starting point. Why not God? Addressing those that are angry with God, can you see it? It is not God, but evil entities that hate us and wish to destroy us that have caused the problems we face in this world, like the terrible illnesses man experiences. God doesn't make us sick. He loves us. But we are, for the moment, caught up in the timeline allotted to Satan to bring his challenge of God's sovereignty to fruition. This is really what everything we have discussed amounts to. Satan versus God through man. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14 reveals this challenge. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, made the lives of God's people miserable. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, rule the church, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. A foolish challenge if there ever was one. God has given Satan ample time to see if he could bring this about, and the enemy has worked at it very hard. The length of time the devil has to accomplish his challenge, only the Father knows. Meanwhile, we are living in Satan's world and experiencing the brunt of his plan. In many ways, it appears he has succeeded, that he is winning. But if we think, use our minds, there is no way a created being can defeat his creator or outsmart the one who brought him into existence. 
So one day, a victorious end will be brought forth to end all man's suffering. As for those that think they have sinned beyond God's forgiveness, please don't buy that lie from the enemy. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for you, and his life is more precious, of greater value than the price of any sin. The sacrifice of his life has appeased the wrath of Father on behalf of all those that repent and change. He paid the wages of sin for mankind, all man's sin, regardless of gender, color, age, or nationality. All men, all sin is forgiven, with the only exception being blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is ridiculing the Holy Spirit's work through someone, giving credit for the work to the vessel, grieving the Spirit or saying his work is the work of the devil, as did those who mocked the Spirit working through Jesus. Matthew chapter 12 verses 31 through 32. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, the vessel, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Mark chapter 3 verses 28 through 29. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. But I would like to assure you, if you are experiencing anxiety, feeling you may be guilty of this sin and want to be in God's grace, then you have probably not committed this sin with full knowledge of what you did. So, if you want Him to love you and your heart is soft towards Him, please just repent, go forward, and live your life for God. This sin belongs to the haughty and proud pharisaical religious spirit that functions through those who refuse end-time truth. Old wineskins that hate change, critical of God's children, and rebellious against God's law. Ones that see themselves and their knowledge as superior, but in actuality exhibit fruit in line with the nature of the God of this world. So why am I addressing those that think there is no God, and those angry at Him? Why am I encouraging all those that are not serving Him for one reason or another? Because Satan has a plan to run this planet, own it, and make all on it His. But God has a plan also, and each one of us have a part in that plan. So what is it the Lord would have us do? Most would like to serve the kingdom if they just knew how or understood what it is God wants of them. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 tells us He will direct us Himself. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure, perhaps through a prophetic word or circumstances. Psalm chapter 37 verse 23 assures us, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 through 3 shows us he works through his servants as well to share his mission and plan. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. 
For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So let's get a bit of a vision for today, and maybe see our part. As Noah and his family were building the boat according to God's specifications, an ark that would one day house them as God destroyed the world, so the body of Christ, the tabernacle of David, is being completed today for the very same reason. When Noah was building his ark, the people paid little attention and didn't care to be a part of it until the destruction began and then it was too late. So it is today. The world is happily going about things as usual, even though society is collapsing around them. As people turned deaf ears to the warnings in Noah's age, so they are refusing to see the signs of the end in this age. Luke chapter 17 verses 26 through 30 prophesied of this. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Pretty self-explanatory. All those that love the Lord and want to be a part of His plan of restoration will be found living according to His law. Their lifestyles will be lived within His will. Separated from the world as much as possible, their vision will be to build a new heaven and new earth. They help heaven by doing their part and recognizing it as the home of celestial beings. They understood through God's knowledge that they were created explicitly for heaven. They see it as belonging to the heavenly ones, while the earth is man's. These believe scripture, not false religious teachings. Psalm chapter 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Plain, isn't it? Luke chapter 23, verse 43 also shows us the dead are in paradise, not heaven. And Jesus said to him, The thief that was on the cross with him, Assuredly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, the garden of God, the home God intended for man. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Did you know paradise actually means a garden of pleasure and fruit? Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. Look where he is, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. A greater than Noah, however, is building an even bigger ark, a global house to shelter his family. Those that love his law and live in his will, do we see ourselves as a part of his family? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 shows us this house is made of people. 
For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building or God's house, his tabernacle. Acts chapter 15 verse 16 After this I will return, Jesus, and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, where Jesus, the son of David, sits on the throne, and not Satan, which has fallen down, those old wineskins of the hypocritical dead church. I will rebuild its ruins, and I, not Satan, will set it up on Mount Zion. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 and 19 and verses 22 and 23 shows us the spiritual mountain. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest like Mount Sinai and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them any more. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, New Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, or spiritual city designed in heaven by God, to an innumerable company of angels, protective angels that guard the camp and the people gathered there to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, their names are written in the book of life, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. There are people who have matured to allow their spirit to lead as directed by the Holy Spirit. The enemy has no legal influence over these. They are God's. You see, Satan can only control things in this carnal realm. He has no legal right or control in the spiritual because a battle was fought in heaven and he lost. Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9 shows us this war. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Satan lost in heaven, but he thought he had surely won on earth when he had Jesus killed. But with the resurrection of Christ from death on the cross, the devil, or Satan, was defeated on earth as well. He couldn't kill God's Son and, in fact, helped God's plan accelerate as He was sent to redeem mankind through His death. In other words, Jesus both overcame the world and the evil spirits that dwelled here. So note, this vision is for all those that are born again. Through Him, have their spirits revived and are restored to the image of the One that brought them into existence. They are circumcised from the cords of iniquity, connecting them to the world, its knowledge, and systems. Living godly lives compatible with the laws of God. Living manifestations of God's plan for restoration. A manifestation of the children of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 The earth rejoices over these ones. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Closing Comments When Father finally says, Enough is enough, 
and time is ended, wouldn't it be a glorious honor to be found as one, manifesting the kingdom of God, that we would be heard by the Lord, spreading the end-time knowledge around the earth, and chosen by Him to help build the new earth. Wow! Is this not a vision and mission worthy of our consideration? Romans chapter 8 verse 21 Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 and 4 sums up. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or house building of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is the vision and goal for God's new generation, his new species, the manifestation of Christ's victory.